Welcome to the Some People Like Coffee podcast, the biggest podcast talking about coffee and niche topics. And then Lewis is going to play some hot intro music. Probably pause that. And then Herbert, thank you so much for doing this. Really nice. Thank you, guys. Uh, thanks for taking your time, and uh, maybe you could just introduce yourself for us. Well, um, so I'm a coffee grower from Colombia. Uh, that's I think that's basically it. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I much more than just that. A, yeah, well, I work in 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 a series of projects related mostly to coffee. Uh, some some verticalization of our supply chain, a little bit of research and roasting. Uh, we've been doing some some interesting research on on processing lately as well. So we've we've done a couple of new things that are the are, are, are very interesting. But everything is is related to coffee. So that's why I say that's like very very much it. Yeah. What's the uh, the thing you're building in the background? Like when you just started, you had your full mask and setup and everything. Ah, no, this is um. So we're we're storing coffee in a warehouse. Mm -hmm. so uh, letting us use. Yeah. And they're doing a they're doing a a small build out inside. So yeah. probably going to sublease a small space here. This is the the entrance of the warehouse. So they're building some doors to separate the space and everything. So I I, I think you probably can hear the background noise from there. It's like a lot of uh, grinding and sanding and, and soldering and stuff. Yeah. Daily coffee life, really. Um. Yeah, so I think what you have put together, I mean, you put it very simply in, in your intro, is is actually I mean, significantly more commendable to how you've explained it. Like To me, the idea of what you have done and what you've created, this kind of collective of, of coffee producers, um, it seems like a really important way of kind of democratizing uh, how to sell your coffee and kind of how to engage your coffee as a coffee producer. I mean, it's, it's jumping into a pretty, uh, pretty intense question already. But I mean, I'm, I'm wondering if you can talk a little about about the kind of idea behind the kind of democratizing that kind of access to processing, accessing to roasting, and and like how why that's important to you. I yeah, it's it's it's, it's a hard one already. But yeah. um, I I I think there's 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 something to, to the activity of growing anything or. Doing, doing, um, I think doing any agricultural activity, especially in the third world, and 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 it's uh, there's a high degree of uncertainty. That's the thing. So the the problem is that um, whenever you grow something, you try to go with the tide, but uh, it's like the stock market. If you don't have, if you're not close to the source and you don't have privileged information, it's gonna be hit and miss all over. You know. And that's the nice thing about specialty. It, it brings the opportunity of, of, of getting away of that market that is out of your control uh, to something that it's technically a little bit more in your control. The problem comes when you when you enter that market, it's not as a producer. I mean, it's not entirely under your control as well because there's, there's, there's a lot of people in the chain that it's actually making the decisions. And um, without entering in further controversy i think that those decisions in the chain are not the best 
So at least there were not for me when I started uh, working on specialty. So the problem um, was that I thought I was doing a good job. I was probably not doing it, to be honest. But I thought I was doing a good job as a producer. That was seven, eight years ago. And um, I also thought that that job was not getting rewarded the way I wanted. So uh, that created, that created it's like that movie Inception, you know, that created that little thing in my mind that, that kept, kept spinning and spinning and spinning. It's like, I think it was like, this is not fair. That, I, I think that was, a, that was the initial doubt they had. I'm, I don't know if, it's, if that's true anymore. This, the supply chain has many layers to it. So uh, it's not as simple. You, you said it, it's not as simple. But um, I, I think that the initial thing was that was, was, was I was not happy with, with, with what was going on, with the way I was, I was participating on the, on the, on the supply chain. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started trying to figure out ways of getting out of that cycle. And uh, well, we got together with a lot of producers. Uh, our group is probably 75 people now. Yeah. And uh, yeah, plus plus some roasters, plus the crowdsourcing, the crowd the crowdfunding system we have, and investors is is it's a little bit big now. And um, the thing is that it just, it all started with that. And all the people that has arrived to the group, they've always had the same problem. So we have producers that they they they, they do funky naturals, and sometimes they sold at astronomic prices, and there's some years they couldn't. And uh, it's a little bit of that. It's it's a little bit of, 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 of once again taking control of the supply chain, but uh, taking that control has many layers to it as well. So it also required from us uh, to learn as much as possible uh, about the well about coffee probably <laughs> itself. So um, then then comes roasting, then comes cupping. Logistics, all of that, but uh, I think the initial, initial the, the catalyst to it all was 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 that doubt on how can I be better or, or how can my supply chain respond better to me or I don't, I don't know something something like that. Can I ask a question? Where exactly are you located in Colombia? I think like some of the people who are listening might. Um, oh, might... I'm interested too. So yeah, me me right now, like physically located right now, I'm outside of Pereira. Mm -hmm. So that's that's where I am right now. Um, my farms are outside of a uh, uh, town called Palo Cabildo. It's in Colima. It's a little known area, well, coffee area in the country. It's mm -hmm. probably five hours. Uh, where are we right now? That's west. That's east. So yeah, it's like that way, a little bit. Uh, it's five hours that way. So yeah, that's where we're located. But the, the, the whole project is, is located all over the country. Okay. Yeah, I was just wondering if it would be like a sort of local area, but but no. you just clarified it's all over the yeah. country. Yeah. Yeah, we move we moved coffee from uh I think collective moved coffee from what 15 different towns mm -hmm. and probably six departments. Yeah. yeah. And where exactly is your roastery located? Uh, well, my roastery it's <laughs> it's located in a truck right now. Uh, it was it was in Bogota. <laughs> it's dismantled. No, uh, it's it was in Bogota two weeks ago. 
-hmm. but uh last year i decided to move out of the city so okay. we we turned the lease what they say king right our lease our lease is up next friday so everything all of our warehouse that what used to be our warehouse in bogota it's in a truck right now including the roaster so yeah our roastery doesn't have a location yet but it will in two weeks so it's going to be somewhere around here around Risaral, i think either here or manitales probably which is the old coffee actor nice yeah that's that's super interesting um why why move out of the city mm, oh there's a lot of reasons for that yeah let's say first, first <laughs> that, yeah uh there's one um my girlfriend wanted to move out of the city yeah so yeah that was that was nice priority number one yeah <laughs> the thing is that uh she wanted to move out she needed to move out because of work and um so we so i had to think how to adjust the rest of my life to it that was basically it so we started we started talking about that when was that uh november 2019 actually we had the discussion drinking wine with ben with ben hamin yeah so right. we we're talking about that and yeah we we're talking about Pereira. i mean he was like you should move here all that yeah if he ever listens <laughs> to this he will probably it. recognize yeah yeah please he will probably recognize the well remember the conversation so that was that was the first thing and uh then i had to adjust everything else so i was i was doing some numbers in the project uh i was spending i was already spending probably six months five to six months a year in this area so that was that was part of it uh then it was rugby so i i i, I still play i'm old but i still play so i was i didn't I didn't want to. I didn't want to to well to go out of the city and, and stop playing. So fortunately, uh, there's a good rugby team in Pereira. So I, I, I practiced with them a couple of months to, to see, and that was another checkpoint, another check, another checking the list. Sorry, and uh, that was basically it. Um, then then we made the numbers, and it made more much more sense to the project not to be in Bogota. Mm. because there's nothing coffee related in Bogota it's like it's 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 it we came we came to the realization that it's actually pointless to be in Bogota except for business like the the, the whole idea of presential business of course right because it's it's not like that anymore like well you can have conversations anywhere unless uh, unless you have a bad connection you know so so that was the other point uh we number wise numbers wise we save probably 25 percent a year on expenses by moving outside of bogota bogota is very expensive like I, I think we talked about that Joel, when we were in in london that i was telling you guys that it's actually more expensive than london so yeah oh wow. yeah i think i think that uh of course, if you if you if you if you compare it uh, one by one, London is uh, it's a taxi meter, you know. For that's that's something I that's that's one of the things I took out when I was in London. Like whenever I was I was looking at my card statements and it's crazy. Whenever I took the tube or anything, it was I didn't I didn't want to look at that. But um, for what we make in the country, uh, Bogota is very expensive. Mm -hmm. Ultra expensive. 
So for you to get an idea, a pint of craft beer in a normal place uh, could run of anything around 14, uh, 12 to 14 of our pesos. So of course, if you, if you, if you translate it to, to pounds, it's nothing. But if you compare uh, units one to one, it's super expensive. 15 for a beer. That's what? That's a lot. Hotness. Yep. I, that yep. Would, be, oh, that's crazy. Yeah, there, there are places that you. When I, visited, when I visited Bogota, I went to this uh, lovely beer place that I can't remember. It's actually, I think you recommend it, Ed. I did. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think it was you. You recommended this place. It was super good. Well, I'm what glad I recommended it. <laughs> what was the name, Rosa? Uh, I can't remember that. It was on like, you had to go like up to this, like a quite like a steep hill in this area. And it had sort of like, um, um, was it a brewery? They, I think they, they, they had also their own beer. Massive space. It was, it wasn't massive, but okay. it was, yeah. Maybe I don't Do know. Do you remember the name? You remember the name, Ed? I can't think of it off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I wish I could. I'm yeah, scrolling through my mouth. It's in 2019, so if I, get, if I remember it, I will then. Please, please tell me, Rosa, because I, I yeah, I'll be, I'll be so that's the, that's the thing I miss the most about the city, to be honest, beer. Yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't get good beer here. So it's, it's a shame. It's a shame. I, I, I just, I just hope to have the office ready so we can have a, a keg and bring beer from any of our friends in Bogota. <laughs> When does the collective oh. become a brewery? Oh, don't ask me those questions today, man. <laughs> that will be that, that. That will be ideal. I I've been trying. I've been trying to brew stuff, but uh, it's too acidic. Too acidic. I can't. Could you well, not, not beer? A uh, cascara, like a cascara. No. Ah, no, I have a. I I gotta. I have to be honest about cascara, Rosa. I don't. I don't like it. <laughs> I can't. Or, I can't stand the smell of it. Uh, how about uh, coffee flowers? I've done a couple of things with it, but it, yeah, it's. I I, I brew I them sometimes, but no, no. I've been trying to do alcohol with bananas. Mm. Yeah. So the thing is that when you run a farm, uh, you have a lot of products around mm. the farm, like I, especially when you do. So so we're setting up bio, like farms with biodynamic like things. And uh, so we have to have banana fields. We have to have a, not plantain, but actual banana. So the problem is that you plant 200 banana trees, and then what do you do with the bananas? So like Make we've, been, we've been trying to. Think. <laughs> <laughs> we've done it. We've done it. But it will be too much bread. So, so we've been trying to do banana wine. That's that's one of the things, but uh, it's not that good yet. Yet, mm -hmm. but I think. I think we're going to get there at some point. Banana bunch. I remember you were, remember the last time we spoke on the live, you were brewing something or other with next to your dog. There was this big bottle of something that you were brewing. And you were like, Joel, this will taste really good. You need to try it. But I can't remember what it was. It was... Oh, yeah. It was, it was, it was probably one of those um, experiments with, with sugar cane. Yeah. Uh, we've been, we've been doing, uh, yeah, we've been doing some, uh, there's some local drinks 
called uh, Chicha and Guarapo and well, there's there's thousands. So they're done with corn, uh, sugar cane, well, panela, pineapple. So yeah, I was I was brewing something with pineapple, I think pineapple and 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 pineapple and sugar cane. You it's good. Um, Sorry, I'm going to go back to a subject that you mentioned, um, biodynamic farming. Yep. Is something that you're going to be like strictly uh, following and potentially like, is it, is it even possible to have biodynamic certification in coffee? I, I know that there is like, I, I've only ever heard about biodynamic farm in India. Um, yeah. I never got the chance to taste the coffee. But it's something um, that I've been wondering if it's even possible to to actually do that. I've heard. Perfect. Yeah, I actually heard from one of the guys that buys from that farm in India. Uh, they have a project in Peru as well, oh. and uh, they told me there's some kind of certification, but I don't have it on top of my head. So, there is one. Um, it's yeah. uh, it's called Demita. Yeah, Demita. Yeah. 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 yeah, but there's there's hardly anyone in coffee who's done it. I mean, I've not looked it up myself, but yeah, I mean, it'd be it'd be fantastic to to have more but of that around. That you're experimenting with. That would you like to become like biodynamic farm, or is Definitely. it just something that you're introducing some of the biodynamic? Um, we're we're doing with a couple of things. The, the I mean, the harsh reality is that fertilizer is expensive. Yes. So that's my main take of it. I, of course, I, I like the organic idea of, of, of growing not just coffee but food. I'm much more concerned about organic food than organic coffee, to be honest. Uh, and we do that with our orchards at the farm. But fertilizers uh, are just expensive. So I'm what we're doing right now is that we're trying to cut all the inputs for this year. We're going to cut all the synthetic inputs by fifty percent. So we did 30% last year, and the idea is to add another 20% this year. And uh, we found that with it, uh, we can actually reduce the amount of MPK we apply. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not just adding a new input that is not well, it's not synthetic MPK, but it's also that by the way you work your soils, uh, you can work with I don't know half of the fertilizer you used to. Mm-hmm. So you just so it's it's that combination is nice, and then you end up with a lot of banana to do banana bread. So that's uh, how does it affect the quality of the coffee? I I don't have enough data to figure that out yet, to be honest. Um, but I'll have to say that I've tasted um, a couple. Let's call them for, for the effect of this. Let's call them heirloom. Uh, like some geishas and tipicas and stuff like that. Uh, done in something very close to organic. Yeah. And they're, they're outstanding. So they actually, I, I, I've heard it. I, once again, I don't have enough information, but I think, I think that those varietals really, really like and really respond very well to that, that way of doing it, you know? Uh, because I don't know if you've heard, you've ever heard the expression that Katura and all the Katimura offspring, they are like uh, high performance athletes in the bad way. Mm-hmm. That you just have to feed them, but they will outperform. Yeah. Overperform. I don't know, but you have to feed them 
everything you have. And it's very expensive to maintain them. So like Michael Phelps swimming, you know, you have you got to feed, feed the guy 10,000 calories so he can win a medal. The same yeah. thing with a Katura. You have to put a lot of input there. And the downside will be that one day your soils are going to be ruined. Yeah. So um, if you try the same the same idea, and that's that's what I've seen. I don't, once again, I don't have enough information to, to actually make a statement about it. But what I've seen at the farms and what I've seen some people in the project um, is that typical geishas, like all of those are not like heavily hybridized. Mm. They respond very well uh to that kind of treatment it also has to do with, with 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 the soil quality it also has to do with the shade with a bit with wind barriers like all of that uh the cycles of the plant are better you have like better ripening patterns and that all of that is important it's not just about yield and it's all it's not all just about uh like raw cup quality you know yeah, yeah there's yeah. a lot of factors there's a lot of factors you ponder as well yeah and that we, we we've seen that um I don't know. It's 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 something like when you jump right into it, you gotta be fully convinced. Mm-hmm. I still have to fight. We have a small council inside the farm, so it's the council, the farm council. So it's me, uh, the post harvesting agronomist, uh, Norita, which is the farm manager, and my mom. Mm. That's the council. It's four. It's terrible because it has to be five, but we don't have five members. It's just four. And uh, it's always it's always a little bit of a struggle because Norita, the farm manager, she's on my side all the time. So it's like, yeah, we we have to do things better. We have to put shade. We have to plant orchards. We have to diversify all that. Yeah. Um, the agronomist and my mom, they want numbers. So yeah. they're like, we we want. So it's 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 been a struggle, but uh, we. We've managed to get to a mid to a middle term between the two of them, mm. and it's it's actually pretty nice. It's actually pretty nice. Yeah, I mean, this is something that I've been thinking because um, I'm very into natural wine, and a lot mm. of the natural wines, like the best ones, are actually the farms, even even if they don't have um, biodynamic certification or anything like this, they are very much like literally like when you look at some of the best coffee uh best wine uh, vineyards um they are just like they're just like, like a bush like they just uh, there's like flies everywhere and like the vines are literally just growing like yeah. you, you might be like oh this is just like some abandoned right. but, vineyard but is the but is the quality better like the the, the actual yes. so you would say that the, the and what, why do you think yeah the quality what do you of think that happens because Sorry. of the diversity of that vineyard because of the fact that they're taking care of the soil and it's also much more sustainable to um grow the vines in this way uh and they also obviously because there is very limited amount of like if any pesticides used is also like you get the pure purest product and you are basically drinking the wine as it is supposed to be also obviously into this goes a lot a lot of this to also is to do with the wine making which is kind of like something i'm not saying that us roasters that we are the winemakers of the coffee industry (laughs) but obviously we then um they bring out the best out of those grapes Mm. but um 
yeah like all of the all of the best wines are okay this is this is not just my opinion guys but i've heard it i i've read about it on on rum actually yeah so i i i produce rum on the farms mm. that's the that's yeah. the the next that's the next thing we're doing so I have, I have, I have a hundred bottles right now on. Ooh, I love rum. On on aging, nice. well, I'll make sure to send you a bottle when they're ready. <laughs> uh, we we're gonna ask right for them, you know. Definitely, <laughs> definitely, man. You counted that. That's that's an understatement. <laughs> so come on. Uh, no, the thing, the thing with the thing I've heard with with um. So, I there's there's little information in coffee fermentation, to be honest. Like yeah. not the same as in wine and anything else. So, I I, I usually look for inspiration on on spirits mm. because I think that's what's closer to, to what we do. Yeah. Because we, we 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 don't drink the pulp, so so wine is out of the question. Uh. Well, I follow I follow that. That being said, and I, it would be amazing if I had some pictures here. But um, I follow uh wine uh, planting techniques on my coffee fields. So I terrace, I do barriers, I, I do a lot of things that are oh. used in wine, like heavily in wine. Yeah. But um, on the side of fermentation, we follow, we follow the spirits a lot. And uh, the thing with rum, what I've, what I've read on rum is that uh, rum agricole, of course, is not like industrial rum, like, mm. well, the molasses, it's not molasses rum, it's sugarcane rum. Yeah. Um, so... What I've read is that uh, we do sugarcane rums like rum agricole uh, on organic fields or biodynamic in this case, but that, that was about organic. Uh, you reduce use of pesticides, um, increases the what's the word in English? The biome on your field. Yes. So you actually have better access access in big quotes uh, to yeast, to a lot of yeast. On, on, on the surface of, of your sugar cane or your canes themselves. Yes. So when you when you grind them, when you grind that all and, and you put it on the on the on the mash pit, uh, your fermentation is healthier. Yeah. Because natural selection already did the job for you. Yeah. When you have when you have heavily sanitized, heavily sterile um, I don't know, vessels. Yeah. Uh, it happens the same in wine, it happens the same in coffee. Exactly. Uh, your fermentations are crap. Yeah. And you're not tasting anything. And you end up with industrial coffee, industrial yeah. wine, industrial rum, industrial yeah. everything. And then we'll be sad people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think there is a, a lot of similarities. And it is like I, I'm really fascinated about both of the industries. And um, specifically, like I've, I've visited so many vineyards. Um, and luckily, I have also had the opportunity to visit Colombia and Brazil and hopefully other countries as well will in the future. But um, it is something that I've been always thinking about and specifically because I'm into the natural wines, like the ones that are like minimal intervention in terms of farming and fermentation and the, the whole process is as minimal as, um, as possible to add anything into the wine. So it's something that I like I've been thinking if it is something I spoke with my friend who's also very international one and also works in the coffee industry and I asked him like if he knows any sort of 
any coffees that would be so-called natural coffees, like not naturally processed coffees, but yeah. farmed and like everything is just like that. It's basically, I suppose like forest Pro coffees yeah, yeah. would be yeah. something, but like, I'm just wondering if it's, if it's. Have you, have you tried, uh, this will be a little bit of an ad. Sorry guys. We call it payola in Spanish. Um, <laughs> it's when you get interviewed in a, in a radio station or something and you, and you put a little bit of a, of an ad there. Yeah. We call it the plug. The plug. Oh, plug. Yeah. 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 yeah the plug. Well, yeah. Well, hey, you're a guest. Yeah, you can plug anything you want. <laughs> okay. We're plugging the rum. So we're we're a... plugging the banana wine. But here it comes the real plug. Uh, no, have you tried, uh, have you tried El Crucero, Rosa, uh, the coffee from Anna that we move? From Anna Mustafa? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. Uh, La Cabra is, is releasing it. Say, yeah. uh, in a, in a, I, I think they're running out of it, actually. Uh, uh, it, will be, it will be lovely if you can try it and, 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 and let me know what you think. Because um, for what I've seen in coffee, honestly, I, and it's not a lot, but uh, for what I've seen in coffee, it's probably the closest uh, in taste you're going to get to probably natural wines. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In washed coffees, of course, because yeah. of the way yeast works with that coffee. Okay. So it's yeah. it's minimum. So yeah, they're far they're far from being biodynamic. Yeah. Uh, Anna Anna is working her way and doing it. Uh, mm -hmm. her, her family her family comes from the Green Revolution, so it's <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's it's a very hard thing to, to a, a very hard pattern to break. But they have this farm, which is lovely. It's actually it's actually behind the mountain. I showed you guys earlier. It's actually like out here. I was hoping actually to, to, to have our conversation there today, but the internet was crap. So I had to drive all the way here. Um, the thing there is that uh, that farm, it, it breaks the pattern of all the farms surrounding because there's a lot of shade, like all the way they do things. But the fermentation tanks are amazing because they never change them to the new design. So they're this concrete, they're, they're porous. They're very porous and they have this concrete in it. And mm -hmm. they just let the fermentations run for days, like wild. Oh, and, wow. And, uh, yep. And the I taste is incredible. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The, the, the thing is that we've been, we've been analyzing that coffee through that, through that lens. Like I tried to replicate, I, I measured everything that was possibly, well, not everything. I, I didn't look at the actual yeast, but I measured, like did the metrics and everything that was possible there. And I tried to replicate the same thing at my farm. Uh -huh. And the taste was nothing near it, like nothing. And uh, so the yeast culture yeah. is from definitely is the yeast to the area. And no, the unique, unique to those fermentation tanks. So in wine, right. we call what the house, the house culture, probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's something oh. like that. It's, mm. it's for, for me, it's amazing. That's yeah. super. Uh, but but what's what's really interesting on it is that that's possibly the case of every farm in Colombia. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, there's a good question. Like, what's what's your opinion on on terroir and coffee? Like, I think it's it's quite ooh. a yeah. I mean, it's a huge question, but I think it's it's very polarizing as as something. Like, I think a lot of people say, oh, you don't really have the terroir. Maybe it comes from fermentation instead." But I mean, it sounds like yeah, what you're I was. I was supposed to have a, actually a, an interview yesterday from a podcast, a wine podcast. And I was, I was just scared. We, we didn't have it because I was very busy. I was just scared they asked me this question <laughs> because, 
I'm glad it's, I asked it instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. You're, yeah. you're warming me up for that question. I'm working towards my Pulitzer. No, the, thank you. <laughs> ah, well, no. Your Pulitzer, come on. <laughs> uh, the... the um, and I'm, I'm, I've been, I've been listening to that. The name of the podcast is Fermenting Place. Actually, it's very good. Uh, I really like it. Uh, it's mostly about wine and beer a little bit. But um, this, this, the, there was, there was this guy talking about terroir, and he's, uh, he's a master in wine, but he's also a, what's the, what's the thing? He's a researcher on taste. So he actually, um, no. So he actually studies taste and preferences and what people thinks of taste and how we evaluate them. Uh, it's it's very particular. It's uh, it's only two categories: complexity and uniformity, and they play around. It's 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 pretty interesting. But he was talking about terroir and and the way you should follow terroir. So um, I my specific view is that well, Colombia is a country of washed copies. End of discussion. Uh, why? Because we don't have the conditions to do naturals. We don't have the conditions to do honeys. It's very complicated. Also, I only produce honeys and naturals. I don't produce washed coffee at the farms. <laughs> so, so I always have this predicament in my mind that it's I'm a Colombian coffee producer, and I don't do washed coffees. So I'm, am I following the terroir, or am uh, am I doing something else? So, so the, the question is why we do washed coffees. We do washed coffees because, once again, we don't have the conditions. It's, it's very risky, you know. But at the same time, what was, was, was known as the Columbia profile in the world, I'm talking about 1950s, 60s, and probably 70s, yeah. uh, it, was, it was probably something we were close to biodynamic farms, organic, of course. Yeah. Probably 95% pipicas grown under really? shade. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Colombia was typical. Colombia was heavily typical until 1975, when the FNC oh. torn all the forests down. Yeah, right. uh, and um, so coffees were processed uh, in the tanks for at least 48 hours, and dried for at least 20 days. So oh, wow. we're talking about we're talking about really complex coffees mm. made out of typicas. Wow. And sh- uh, grown shade. So there were like very complex typicas with a lot of sweetness and body. And they were, le- they were letting, they were letting uh, the parchment rest for months before exporting them. So, so the idea of the coffees that Colombia produced 60 years ago is incredible. So that's, that for me, yeah, it enters the terroir. Uh, and I think it's important for consumers. And I come, I come back and forth with that idea, to be honest, that uh, sometimes I say terra sucks and mm. it doesn't matter. Uh, but right now you caught me in a phase where, <laughs> where I think that, uh, that, yeah, it is important. It is, it is, it gives you an idea of, of what that area produces and it gives consumers an idea of, of, well, of what they're drinking, you know? Yeah. And it gives you, it gives you an anchor to be able to say, Hey, this tastes of something. And that takes out all of those heavily processed coffees that you see around that mm. taste the same. I have a problem with that, to be honest. It's like, uh, there's a lot of coffees that you've gone, people has gone so far with processing that they taste like rotten. 
<laughs> and uh, it's no, they're good fermentations. They're good fermentations. And, and well, Rosa, you like natural wines, and they're natural wines that actually taste like, yeah, like compost. You know? Yeah, they taste. They taste like barnyard. Exactly, but, but, I, but there I are areas. Like I don't drink that type of natural wines. Like those can get in the bin. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I I can see what you mean. Like, so 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 I think I think you have to take big baby steps. You know. Yeah. So if 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 you if you first want to get into experimentation, uh, learn how to do the basics. Follow the terroir. Follow what your area produces. But then there comes a question is like, uh, what is actually terroir, you know? <laughs> and that's that's a big one. Uh, that's that's yeah, because then 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 terroir itself. But um, for example, once again, Anna's coffees, uh, will that be considered an expression of her terroir? Like it is, it is that in a, in, the, in the purest sense of it. Yeah. But none of her neighbors, well. Right now, none of our neighbors do that. Uh, I think the next step will be trying to do the same fermentation at a neighboring farm to see if it tastes the same. Yeah. But uh, the, the, the actual conditions of her tanks, it's uh, what, what's changing the flavor. Yeah. Yeah. So, but usually it is that you almost need that someone to, like how I think about, for example, in the wine industry in Loire, there were like some, some producers that just, Basically, they was just like, you know what? We don't care about the rules. We're just gonna do it our own way. And then suddenly, like everyone is just like, what are they doing? Like, why? The, why is their wine tasting so good? And I think, I suppose, like this can be also um, the case in this specific farm. Like, well, the- well, this guy, yeah, this guy from the from the podcast, actually, from from the the, the guy I was telling you about the mastering wine that works in in taste, he was saying something that that really stuck on me is, um. If you have bad conditions, if, if, if your terroir is known by being terrible, if your varietal is known for not having anything spectacular in particular, yes, you should, you should immediately get out of it. You know, yeah. that's what he was saying. Yeah. But if, you terroir, if, you, if your terroir is something to strive for, yeah. you should stick to it. Yeah. That's, that's what he was saying. And it, it's, it's very, well, it makes, it makes, it resonates on my head a lot. Why? Because I have two farms. So yeah. I have a farm that's low and it's crappy. <laughs> but 90, 90% of what I sell comes from that farm because that's the old farm. And yeah. we make it taste good. We make it taste good by getting out of the pattern. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the problem with Colombia is that uh, since we, 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 we destroyed all, all of our cultivar diversity and all of our richness, yeah. or so-called richness at least, we call it uh, the environmental uh, alimony or the environmental like reserve, mm. you know. So we we destroyed all that. So we don't have that anymore, and we have to look for answers in processing. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But but then I, I'm planting this farm, which is 40 minutes away of the of the old farm. That farm is it's so the the, the old farm is uh, 13 50 meters mm-hmm. high. The new one starts at 80, 20, 1820. Oh, it's wow. ultra high. Mm. Uh, I'm just I'm just planting tipica, sidra, tawis, pacamaras, like mocha, you name it. Mm. And the flavor is very particular. Like right away, you pick you pick whatever that farm is gonna taste amazing. So so in that farm, I'm not gonna 
I'm, I just want uh, I just want to focus on having very good cherry, mm-hmm. picking it picking it well and don't screw that up. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of what what happens in, with Takesi in Bolivia, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what they do. They my, do a good. One of my favorite coffees in the world. I don't amazing. I don't, I don't blame you. I don't blame. I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. And and the truth, one of one of the things about that coffee, at least they're washed, is that it's not heavily processed. Yeah. I was surprised when I figured that out. I was I was talking with I can't remember her name. I think it's Mariana. Yeah, one of the owners of Takesi, and she was telling me, "No, we 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 run that coffee through the demisulaginator." And I was like, "Crap! Why?" Like, I didn't understood that. Then I tasted it, and I was like, "Shit, that's sorry." Can say can I say that on the podcast? You said it now. You already okay. said. <laughs> we went. Oh, you, you, can, uh, you can you can you can put a beep on it. Sorry. So I said I said should. Um, it makes sense, you know. You're tasting the coffee on its purest form. They're not fermenting it. So that's that's a question. What do you guys mm. think is the purest? form of coffee processing it's such a hard question i think what do you think rosa to me it's always washed but it's the purest. Yo, what do you think i only drink naturals so i have to say that right because i mean i guess the an argument about the natural is surely that by pulping it you're removing the cherry and then without the cherry you then don't have the natural aspect of it so there's, there's a process already but yeah. then with the natural, you know, there's there's no process, so it's yeah. it's completely untouched. But like for me, I think, I mean, a geisha is always, you know, the the pinnacle of, of what a lot of the people talk about. But most yeah. of the time, I have found that an, the the best natural geishas will outperform the best bossed geishas from from what I have tasted. You know, that's my my own personal opinion of drinking think, coffee. And I think for I, me, I I agree on that. For, yeah, and for me, I think that like because I'm. I don't, I'm not like for Takesi Kesha is like unreal, like mm. that's like unreal and so on. But like to me, often like the the coffees that are washed produced, you almost like you you have got the feeling that you're tasting like there is nothing else there. But then, of course, there is like there is element of fermentation and so on. But yeah. Um, it's it's a weird it's yeah. We we had the discussion we had the discussion with uh so I have a, a post harvesting manager at the farm now I I sadly can't take care of the post harvesting anymore well hands on at least at the farm and this is this guy is bright as it comes with he's very very smart he knows a lot about fermentation and uh, we had that discussion today at the farm and he said something like what Ed said. Uh, he thinks that, of course, naturals are, 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 are the, the purest form because you're not adding anything to it or you're not removing anything either. Yeah. Um, but, but the thing, the thing comes to it is that we, once you, once you start developing, you start changing it, unless you remove the mucilage right away. Yeah. And that's the beauty of that Geshe from Takesi because agronomically it shouldn't exist when you say it's unreal rosa it's actually unreal yeah it shouldn't <laughs> was like 2400 like meters in I bolivia so south that... as well it's crazy it's crazy it's like it's like planting mm. coffee at 3000 here higher than Bogotá. yeah and 
and it, it they do their cycles are like 14 months instead of nine or something okay. like that so it's, it's it's insane it's insane and then i i honestly don't i don't think they're doing it because of the of the discussion we're having i think they're doing it because it's too cold and they will never be able to wash the coffee they depulp it and let it ferment because that's a problem in high areas yeah but well it, it brought us to this discussion so they take the mucilage out and and what we're tasting is like what that seed has in it like right away yeah like we're no fermentation not anything like the the, the best thing that can happen to it is probably fast drying as well and it will be like the opposite it, it will be the total opposite of of what i stand for in coffee for example which is like slow drying slow fermentations long fermentation and all that and it tastes like it and i love that idea i love i love the idea that that can that coffee can have that and can taste like that and the sun came out now ooh. That's nice. And, um, yeah, it's a little bit hot. <laughs> I was. Uh, so I, I, that, yeah, that's my that's my take on on hmm. on, on terroir. I think. I think it's a, hey, an unfinished like, conversation. An unfinished conversation for a hmm. part two at some point. Yeah. Uh, so every time we do one of these podcasts, we like to ask weird, wonderful, and cheeky questions. So. Uh, Here's a weird and wonderful question for everybody. How do you feel about hot chocolate and cheese? According to the internet, it's a Colombian delicacy. Oh, <laughs> I love Brazilian. it. That's Brazilian. That's Brazilian. Same thing. It's it's Colombian. <laughs> it's all Spanish, right? <laughs> the same, the same, the same oh, as the pau de queijo. The pau de queijo is also Colombian. It's called it? Almohavana. Ah. Yeah, it's called Almohavana. Okay. It was created in Bogota, and Brazilians just stole it. I'm just yeah. kidding. That's that's something <laughs> Colombians will always say. But I love Joel. I love I love hot chocolate with cheese in it. And and in it, if you, if you can, yeah. And if you can put if if you can if you can put pieces of 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 bread and pieces of arepa. <laughs> as well inside the chocolate it's like a huge bowl of chocolate with all that in it that that takes me so remember you, that you make it with milk that, or uh no it's usually water chocolate okay that's but a bit more insane. it could be with yeah it could be no with, uh, what's no it will be weird what cheese um stilton <laughs> no it's 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 a it's a it's a very good question because it i've done it I've done it just with three types of cheese. I love the three of them. It this depends, fondue depends on my or what? mood. No, mate, it could be. Well, that's that's what it is. It's like fondue. Fondue. It, <laughs> no, you know the thing. Uh, the name of the the name of the um, <laughs> I won't say the dish. The name of the dish. It's uh, migote with an M. So it brings me back to childhood because that's what my granddad used to do. Mm. So I, I spent a lot of times a lot of time with my grandparents because my parents work a lot. And uh, whenever I sat down with my grand, my granddad came. Uh, so my, yeah, my, my, my grandfather comes from this area. Actually, I'm returning back to origin, you know. And uh, he he moved he moved to Bogota when he was probably in his fifties. So he has all this weird rural, no quirky rural uh, customs and manners. And they had dinner at five p.m. And his dinner was small, but after dinner he had this big bowl of chocolate, and he started putting all that in. 
So yeah, I, I love that. It's weird. Whenever we have someone from outside Colombia visiting it, they think it's disgusting. And uh, we also do it with uh, aguapanela, which is uh, hot sugarcane yeah. water. Like, oh. yeah, you, you've had it. <laughs> uh, so the that, cheese we is... We do that with coffee in Finland. Yeah. No way. Yeah, we put cheese in coffee. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> So is it melted or is it just like oh. hard chunks? Oh, is this like squeaky cheese that you put in it? That's why I was asking, like, what sort of what sort of cheese do you put into the chocolate? Well, so in Colombia we don't have any cheeses. We're not very proficient with cheese, sadly. But we have three types of cheese that we use in it, and then they're all kind of a derivative of morsa, of mozzarella cheese, mm. kind of. Mm. So we have we have a we have a soft mozzarella which is called a double cream. Uh, we have a we have like a, like a harder mozzarella, but it's like a very uh, it breaks down very easily, mm-hmm. which is called a campesino cheese, like rural cheese. Yeah, and that's that's very good with it. And uh, there's the cheese that melts a little bit. It's kind of our our gouda, probably <laughs> the Colombian gouda. <laughs> it's called uh, it's called pipa cheese. So it's a it's a little bit uh, mature and uh, and a little bit harder. But when you put it inside chocolate, it melts. So yeah, Joel, the idea is that if you put the cheese in it and you put everything else, then you start getting getting it with a fork or a spoon and everything is a little bit melted. It's it's just amazing. So it's like a fondue. Yeah, I have to. <laughs> I'd never thought of it. You, you just ruin it for me. It. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, man. Can you can you send us your grandfather's recipe and we can all try it? Go ahead. Eduardo, start the uh, go on. What Sorry, my computer just just uh, messed up a little bit. All right, so I think you've already um, uh, alluded to it, but football or rugby? Rugby. Favorite team? Uh, London Wasps. Wasps. Oh, interesting. Right. London Woo! Wasps. Is that, was that? I thought you were going to say Harlequins. I really thought you were going to say Harlequins. Sharks no, is always no, the one I love in my head. I used to work in a cafe that the Harlequin team came all the time. Well. Uh, mm. Did you enjoy that, Rosa? I was about to say that sounds like a great enjoy place to work. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, they they they, no. they they came from co- for for coffee or for beer. Coffee. Ah, yes. They so were really really lovely that. guys. Yeah, you don't you don't None want rugby, rugby people people coming. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want them coming for beer afterwards. Oh no no no! God of ale. <laughs> when they're all tall, built, white middle class men. Yeah, <laughs> what? But nothing. they're very kind people. They're very kind people. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, I'm sure they are. Yeah. Uh, all right then. Oasis or Blur? Ah, when <laughs> that's that's a hard one. Uh, when I was 17, probably Blur. Probably Oasis. Sorry, but now Blur. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When was the yeah. transition? Um, I grew up. Mm. Probably. Stopped wearing bucket hats. Yeah. yeah. And you yeah. wanted a champagne yeah. supernova. <laughs> That's still I, I, have, I have a sweet spot in my heart for, for aces, but I, I yeah, blurs. Mm. It's phenomenal. When I was at university, <laughs> the uh, every club you went to had to close at two o'clock in the morning. And the song that they always played, every single club without fail, was uh don't look back at anger. <laughs> like the lights would come on in the club. You'd see it's just disgusting. Everyone's there. Like, Don't look back at that. 
<laughs> Always. <laughs> every every time. Monday through to Sunday. Doesn't matter what, what, what club you're in. That's what they would play. And you were there on the table like Duh. Yeah, I'm on the bar. Oh. <laughs> no, they that, that they was, play that was me and Herbert dancing <laughs> in London. This oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> that night was great. Yeah, that day was amazing. Experience. Yeah. Yeah, where were we at? We were at uh, some pub around the corner. Bristol. We're at Bristol? Brixton. No. Brixton. Yeah. Brixton, yeah. Brixton. Not Bristol. Brixton. Nice. Yeah. Uh, pubs or cafes? Pubs. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta be. Yeah. Favorite color? Favorite what? Favorite color. Ah, favorite color. Um, ooh, that's a hard one. I'll say burgundy. Burgundy. Ooh, burgundy. Burgundy is good. Very nice. <laughs> burgundy white. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, 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 I need to, I need to uh, turn down uh, my talk about wine because people think that, oh, I do is drink wine. <laughs> I do drink coffee too. Can't, can't blame you. Come on. <laughs> Well, well, you you guys are very lucky in Europe to have wine because what we have here is not can't be considered wine like in eighty percent of the cases. So you're very lucky to have the wines you have and to have access to those. Because yeah, that's it's, why it's, that's why I need to uh, you know taste them all the time. <laughs> hey, one of the best wines I've actually ever had was a Brazilian wine. No way. Yeah, it's, it was it was nuts. So in Espirito Santo, eastern state of Brazil, it's a huge grape-growing region, lots of grape juice. But one of the um, uh, coffee producers there that we went to go visit, uh, he takes, you know, 200 liters of his, of his grape juice every year and makes wine. And complete natural fermentation, no yeast, no sugars, no additives. Like the way he looks after his grapes, same way, pretty much biodynamic. It was, you know, like some of the best wines from Jura, it was as competitive as that. Like so elegant, oh. so really, honestly, honestly, it's the kind of thing where you drink it. Like, wow, no way. That's a big no statement. Way. White, a big it was statement. huge, honestly. Yeah. I, I, uh, white, right? White or red? It, oh, red, red. red white, red, red. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. All the Jura I had is white. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was a crazy experience. The kind of thing where you smell it, and you're like, you take it, and you're like, okay, let's just, you know, it's the ceremony. It's, it's nice. And you smell it, and all of us were like. In fact, I was actually there with the guys from La Cabra, Ooh. and we we were smelling it, and all of us were looking at each other like, "This is crazy, right? This is nuts." Yeah, mm. unreal, great wine. Um, well, that's that's all the good five questions we had. Hmm. So, there you go. That's, well, that's well, yeah, and we're we're well, now you got me much. thinking up. You got me thinking about that wine, man. Mm. We'll send you some. We'll send us some rum, and then. Well, Just no, I, di I didn't. I, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know Brazil produced wine. Huh. Bolivia does too, but I've not had any good. Bolivia. Yeah, I've heard Bolivia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, Chile, Chile and Argentina are great, and you mm -hmm. go to Mendoza, and Mendoza has amazing wines, but they're very hard to get here in Colombia. But uh, yeah, it's, it, the access to wine here in Colombia is very, very, very hard. Mm. Hey, last very one: uh, dark or white rum? Ooh. Dark. Yeah, I love I love aging. Yeah. Oh my god. 
I need to go and get some rum now. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> evening for us, so it's fine. Fine. Yeah, it's it's. I can't. I have to I have to drink after after all this coffee. I have to drink like two liters of water. I have practice in like in three hours. So really? yeah, it will be beer beer for me after practice today. Last last but not least question. Have you still been? Are you shooting your new team? Are you photographing your new team? Uh, not yet. We haven't. So um, I, I already brought all the equipment. I am actually fixing my large format camera. God. I have the medium. I have the medium ready as well for, for keeping doing the project. The problem is that I only take those pictures after playing a game. And with COVID, uh, everything is. Yeah, and we're not. We're actually kind of breaking the law, I think, because we started <laughs> tackling last week. So we shouldn't, but uh, but it's 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 hard. So yeah, the plan is to do it, but I'm not doing it yet until we, we start playing sure. games again, which is which I think is going to be like in a month. As soon as I do it, mate, I'm going to send you some. I I actually I'm going to send you some in a, in, a, in a minute. I I, I scanned a a whole film a couple weeks ago and it came out pretty nice. Pictures like from three years ago. Oh, sick. Look forward to seeing them. I know we can have that conversation for the rest of the evening, but I'll, our sponsors, otherwise known as uh, Lewis, will tell us <laughs> off. But, mate, uh, if I would like to say to people that are listening, if you'd like to like, press the subscribe button and listen whatever format you'd like to meet this legend or wherever you are on the screen. This one. Or <laughs> all of us can point that out. <laughs> Yeah. And tell and, us one more time, Herbert. What's what's your name and, and what's the company? Where can we find you? Uh, well, um, you can find me here in Colombia. And I'm just kidding. Uh, my name is Herbert uh, Peñalosa. I my, the name of my company is uh, Five Seventy Five Cafe. It's on Instagram. You hit you up there. Yeah, yeah. That's on Instagram or just Google it, and there's a mm. couple things. Right. Um, yes. Thanks so oh, much, Herbert. Cheers, bro. Thank you. Thank you. I love you, Matt. <laughs> Bye. Oh. Yeah, have a good Bye. You too.